The third Lubavitcher Rebbe known as the... Okay. Tzamach Tzedek had a chassid who traveled to other European centers of commerce on business. So he would mingle with the non-Jews and he felt that he couldn't dress in his regular Hasidic garb. So he would dress during the weekdays in a fine European fashionable suit. Yet when he would come to the town of Lubavitch to visit his Rebbe, he would put back, put back on his Hasidic attire. What do you call it? Kapota. This went on for many years. So 95, 98% of his time, he's in a suit. And then every few months, he goes to visit the Rebbe. He dresses up like Ampurim. And he went on for many years like this until eventually he got tired of it. He thought to himself, I'm sick of being a hypocrite. Why am I playing games and dressing up in a Hasidish costume to fool the Rebbe? I'm going to go to him like I usually dress. The next time he visited the Rebbe, he came in in his usual business attire, his fashionable European suit, and he said, Rebbe, I can't continue coming to you dressed up like a chassid and fooling you. And the Rebbe immediately applied, you weren't fooling me, you were fooling them. Your chassidish levush is the real you. It's who you really are. We all live in contradiction. Every person lives in contradictions. Sometimes we're 5% evil and 95% malach angel, and sometimes it's 80% and 20, and sometimes it could be all the way the other way. Everybody's a contradiction because we're part angel and part animal. This is why, the way Hashem decided to create this world. Animals are very simple. Angels are very simple. And then, I guess for entertainment purposes, <laughs> created human beings is super, super, super complicated. And sometimes... We, we're so busy dressing up, we, we don't even know who we really are. Who, which, which one is the real me? Is the real me the, the me by, uh, by the Kaisel? Or, or, or for those of you who don't go to the Kaisel here, right? You, you, by the oil? Or for those of you who go to the, the, the Tzian? Is the real me on Yom Kippur? Hashem Hu Elikim, is that the real me? Or maybe that's, that's only like a small percentage of the time. Maybe the real me is, is the other guy that, that, that nobody sees. And what we learned from over here, from the Rebbe, is the real you is, is the real you. We have, to, we have to be able to have a Rebbe to pull that out of us. But that was his lesson, which is very valuable. The real you could be once a year, right? Could be once a month, could be one, whenever it is, that's the real you. Could be the real you comes out once a week on Shabbos Kodesh. That's what Shabbos is. Shabbos is the day to come back to who we are. The mushal that I gave for this is, it's a true story. All my stories are true. I was, uh, I was in the beach, in the ocean. And after, I wasn't swimming, I was just hanging out there. And after about 20 minutes, I went to the sand, I went to the beach, and it was a crazy thing. Somebody stole my stuff. I didn't have any money. Why would anybody steal my stuff? I couldn't figure it out. All my stuff was gone. And then I looked up, and I saw something even crazier. The hotel I was staying in was gone. I mean, somebody stole all my stuff, and then somebody stole the hotel I was staying in. This is crazy. And then finally, I looked down like a half a mile, and I saw it over there. What happened? Even though you think you're in the same place, there's a drift. And if you don't keep on going back to the same place, you drift. You drift. You drift. So what I recommend to myself and to everyone else, if you don't want to drift too far, you look at the hotel, and every few minutes you go back. That's what Shabbos is. Sunday, we drift. Monday, too. Sometimes by Friday... Can't even recognize who we are. And Shabbos anchors us. Shabbos is our anchor. We go back, back to where we are. Thank you.
I'm glad you like it. Oh, thank you. So I might as well make a sale. So that's in my book, CPR, which is for teenagers of all ages, and there's like a hundred of those. The point is that that's what, what Shabbos is. So could be we need Shabbos, and we say, is that who I really am? Is it really me, the way I am on Shabbos? Or maybe the way I am Tuesday is really me. Shabbos is a time that we get through all the confusion and we go back to who we really are. That's who we really are. Sometimes it's once a week, sometimes it's once a month, sometimes it's a few times a year, Yantif, and sometimes it's one day a year, Yom Kippur. That's the time that we think free, and, and we, we, we come to the, we get past all the schmutz and the things that control us, because we're all slaves to things that control us and have an effect on us, and then we become who we really are. I just thought of a Nesiv Shalom, beautiful Nesiv Shalom, one of the nicest Nesiv Shaloms. So the Nesiv Shalom says it really should be the opposite. When you're leaving, right, when you pack up and you move out, you move out of Crown Heights, out of Brooklyn, out of New York, right? It should go, and then and then you leave America. So why does it say the other way? So he said that it wasn't just a matter of physically moving away. Hashem was telling Avraham Avinu to break free and to move out to find his real lech lecha to himself. Who are you? And in order to do that, we have to break free. What are the things that bind us? We all grew up in a certain home, in a certain way of living, and that binds us. We can't be just automatically different. That requires change. But our basis is the way that we grew up. That's mevesavicha. Then there's meladadacha. There are things that we, that are ingrained in us, midis, right? Let's say from the way we are. You're gonna say, no, we don't have anything ingrained in us from living in Brooklyn. Really? Go upstate and honk. Go to Chicago. Why are you honking? Why are you so nervous? Because we're from Brooklyn. So yeah, where you are affects you. Right? Which is an unbelievable thing. Anybody here ever go out of town? Go to Chicago, go to the Midwest, go to a pizza store. Go to a, you see the difference in a pizza store, right? You come to Brooklyn, you come to Brooklyn, and there could be six guys in front of you online, you go like this, get me a pie, the guy says, no problem, while he's getting all the six things, you want two slices, four slices, six slices, six, three pies in the oven, right? You go to out of town, what would you like to have today? I'm not sure, looking like 20 minutes, I'm like, dude, it's onion, there's vegetable, it's a pizza store. Like, you couldn't think of this on the way over? Okay, finally, after 20 minutes, and I'm like, can I just get to, sir, there's a line, can I just get, none of that. One slice, okay, put it in the oven, wait for it to get warmed up, give the guy his slice. Next, what would you like to have? Oh, I recommend, like 20 minutes, I'm like, I'm fourth person in line. You could have just taken all of our slices, put it in the oven together, Right? But that's the way, that's the way we roll here in Brooklyn. Someone working behind the counter has to have multiple personality disorder because you got different personalities that are happening at the same time. We're juggling stuff, you know, and this is all happening and no problem. You go out of town, they look at you like you're crazy. I went to a gas station upstate. They hate us upstate. And part of it is, you know, anti-Semitism. Part of it is because we're from Brooklyn and we're just different. You know, we're just, we're just different. So I filled up with gas and then I went in to buy a Coke. Coke is? Was, was, I don't know what it is now, it's a dollar. One dollar. There's about 15 people online. I'm from Brooklyn. What do we do? Go to the front, you give a dollar, and you put it on the table, and whenever they register next, I don't know how they do it, they, everyone in Brooklyn knows how to do it. I offended basically the entire Sullivan County. They were like, <gasps> sir, don't, don't you see all these people, you don't see these people? 
do you not see? Do, I, do you not see this line of, of people? And they're all, and they're holding their eggs. And, and I'm, so, okay, I go to the back of the line. It's like, okay, gosh, that was really terrible. They talk about me like, you know, for 10 minutes. And, oh, Harry, I see you going with the diet beer. You go, you're talking about, she's inspecting the beer. Oh, no, I have a better one. She goes back. An hour and a half later, it's my turn for my stupid Coke. You, that doesn't, we don't roll like that in Brooklyn, right? So they thought it was like, you don't see people in front of you, whatever, but by us, it doesn't work like that. So that's me, Miladadacha, and that's Artsacha. It all affects us. And Hashem was saying, you gotta break through, break free from that. That's what Shabbos is, to break free. And Yantif and all of that, we'll talk about a different time. And it's a halacha this way. The Mishnah says, Kal Shebayam Tahar Chutz Hamayim. All of the creatures that live in the ocean are tahar, they don't get tame, except for one called the sea otter. Kelev yam, kelev hamayim. Why? Mepnei shuhu bereach layabasha. When this sea otter is scared, it's being hunted, it senses danger, it runs to the dry land. So we see from over here, it says, Rebzadik HaKayin, Tzchus Yagan Aleinu, El makayim she'adam bereach b'shast tzarasay, nika she'sham sharasay. The place that you run run to when you're when you're scared, when you're afraid, that's really where you belong. You could be ninety nine percent of your life doing this and doing that, but where do we run when we're in trouble? To Hashem, because that's really our essence. That's really where we belong, and that proves where where we are. The pun of Jerov told Rabbi Galinsky. It's brought down in the Higadita. He said, a yid could be, can wallow in the mire. In English, you know what that means? No idea. Yid could be in the Sha'al Pachdis, Mem Teshari non-religious lifestyle, his entire life Khalila. But if in a time of trouble, he turns to a rav, he goes to a tzaddik to daven for him, he gives staka, he goes to the kaisel, he davens to Hashem, he says, Hashem, please help me. That reveals his true essence that all along, he was really a believer in Hashem. So why did he do all of that stuff? Because stuff happens. You know the famous saying, sin happens. We should get t-shirts. Sin ha- Is that the famous saying? It's close. Okay, so this clearly drives home an incredible point. If you want to know a person's essence, you can't focus on where he spends most of his time. That doesn't define our essence. You have to look at how a person behaves in certain moments where their panemius comes out. We believe that every year there's a chelik lekami mal, mamish, and that doesn't change. And that's that's the core belief of what we have. If uh, if this child is really good, if this person is really be'etzem, as good and pure and holy as we are, so why are they behaving so crazy? Because people hurt them, and gullus hurt them, and confusion and chaos and all kinds of stuff that, believe me, none of us want to be teenagers in this dar. Even healthy teenagers, how do they do it? It's unbelievable. Then unhealthy, and then bad stuff happens to them, and then they're in the middle of everything. What we need to believe is a fact of life. The fact is, their essence is pure. Their essence is not changed. Their essence is not changed. And it doesn't mean that inside of you is a, is a piece. I always thought that's how I looked at it. Inside of you, you have like a chip, microchip inside of you. You're a cow. But then, then there's a little chip inside, a tiny little microscopic piece of Hashem that's deep inside of you. No. You are a shtick. You are, you are a chalik. Your entire you 
is a chelik ilaka mimal mamish. That's who you are. We are entirely godly. We are Hashem's children. We are a piece of Hashem. And then there's a lot of layers of shmutz around us and a lot of pain, a lot of confusion. My father, whose today would be his 100th birthday. Yeah, all of us He was born to Gerach Hasid in Lodz in Poland. And after he lost his entire family in the Holocaust, he also lost his exterior Hasidish Levush, his attire. He was disconnected from Ger after the after the war for many years. I don't know exactly, maybe maybe fifteen twenty years. On his first trip, you know, in those days, had you get to Eretz Yisrael, wasn't easy. As soon as he was able to go to Eretz Yisrael, he went back to Eretz Yisrael. My father was by the Imriamis in Poland. He got a bracha from the Imriamis right before the war. The last bracha that he got right before the war. My father was able to stay there for Shabbos with just a few people. A uh, whole different story how that happened by the Pnei Menachem, the future Ger Rebbe, means the Heintiger Rebbe's uncle, when, when he was bar mitzvah. So it was the Imri Amis was making a bar mitzvah for, for his youngest son, the Pnei Menachem. My father was there. Anyway, so this was a long time. He wasn't in Eretz Yisrael. He wasn't in Ger. And then he came, at that point was the Beis Yisrael. Rabbi Yisrael Alter, the fourth Ger Rebbe. And it was the first time he went, and he went to say hello to him and to reintroduce himself to the Rebbe and to the Bismedrish. And, you know, uh, he didn't see that in a long time. When it came time to leave, so my father went to Gezegenzich to say goodbye to the Rebbe. That's the minig. You, you, you go when you come, and then when you leave, you say goodbye, Gezegenzich. So my father told him, It's time for me to go home. And the Rebbe, the Baisis Ruhl, replied with his characteristic, sharp wit, he says, yeah, indeed, yes, it's time for you to come home, not to go home. And with that, with those words, he drew my father back to where he truly belonged, to come back together more and more often, and over the years, became very, very close with all the rabbis. The, the fifth Ger Rebbe, known as the Lev Simcha, he was very close to my father. My father was really close with, to, to all the rabbis. But they were particularly close, and he told my father a very unique thing, which they don't usually do. He told my father, when you come to Yerushalayim, when you come for Shabbos, put on a Bekesha. It's very, very rare for, for a Ger Rebbe to make that request of, of a Chassid. And my father understood that the Rebbe looked at him as, you know, this is not dressing up. This is who you really are. Yeah, things happened. There was a Holocaust you got thrown across the world. You were all by yourself. And Baruch Hashem, he was Shemitari Mitzvah, Baruch Hashem, Mitasai Shlema, and all his kids, and his Eniklach, and all of that. The Rebbe understood that even though my father couldn't always dress on the exterior that way, at least when he came home, he should dress like the real him, underneath all those layers of the American businessman. It was a way of the Rebbe, he didn't care about the Bekersha, believe me. He was a way of, of him saying, like, you know, you may look different now and all of that, but you're one of us. And that's something that, that he really, really felt. Our kids, they're, they're one of us. They're one of us. We can't ask them. Don't, don't ask them to dress up. No. That will not work. But our kids went through stuff. They went through personal holocausts. Many of them went through stuff that's just unbelievable and they want to die and they don't want to live and they, they've gone through personal pain in their journey, which is unbelievable. And they look different than us. We have to remember who they really are. If we forget who they really are, there's no chance that they will ever remember. But if we know who they are, we don't, I'm not saying we should tell them, uh, remember you're a chelical kamim al mamish. No, nishdas maintenance. We just have to know that we're dealing with good. 
We're not making bad kids good. We're not making evil into good. We're dealing with diamonds. We're dealing with, with real kids who are taiv. And they will prove to us over time that they were really good. I, why did they do all these sins? And why did they do all these? Because they were reacting. Why did they curse parents, kids calling parents with the worst language? It's so bad that you can't even get angry. You realize it's like nuts. Like, you know, it's way out of the box of anything that could ever be. Pain, pain, and pain, and pain, and pain. And you wonderful parents are getting so close to them in spite of all of the exterior because you're going to reveal their internal pneumius that is not damaged and it's not touched at all. They're going to prove to us how wonderful they are, how great they are, and they're going to care about you. The same kids, the same kids that curse you and steal your money and and don't care and manipulating and they don't care and they want to just see you just drop dead right in front of them and they'll say it and come pick me up and drop me off and as if you're not a human being those same kids after a couple of years of TP caring caring and sometimes it takes being sick we had some parents who were sick with COVID and who took care of you out of all of your kids who took care of you the most your kip because you invested so much unconditionally to them when they did not deserve it when you need it they will be with you like I always tell you one day you're going to be in that nursing home Who's going to be taking care of you? Your kip. And then you're going to say, hey, why didn't I do this with all my other kids? Why couldn't I be nice to all my other kids? You're allowed to be nice to children even if they're from. You're allowed to be nice to children even if they don't want to die. And you'll see, you're making yourself a, a very happy future because they will be there for you. Kids are able to help out parents even when you're not 200. When you're 60, when you're 70, when you're 80, and they get older, they're going to be caring for us. As I always say, according to the natural order, according to the plan, one day, they're going to be the ones speaking about you at your funeral, and you can't even do anything about it. You can't say, wait, no, don't say that. So you get to write the speech, make it a good speech. They're going to get the last word in.